Ask the GMs, episode 25, Experiencing New Systems. Good evening, this is Zach for Ask the GMs, welcoming you to another episode of our great podcast, where we love to talk about RPGs and board games. Handing it off to RC. Howdy everybody, glad to be here again. Hope everybody's had a wonderful week. Um, passing it off to Lindsay. Hey everybody, it's good to be back. Um, I'm really excited to talk about super fun systems and probably hear about some that I don't know anything about. Uh, and I'm going to pass it over to Brian. Hey everybody, uh, Brian. Um, and I am very excited to talk about the systems that I've played. Probably played the least amount of systems, but it's still a decent list. So yeah, I'll uh, hand it to Pat. Hey everybody, it's Pat again, here to, you know, fuck things up and shoot the shit and chew bubblegum. Um, I'm glad everyone's here to join us, and uh, I'm even more glad that Sean has joined us. Hey there everybody, glad to be here, Um, looking forward to talking about some new experiences with some new systems. And we'll pass it back to Zach. Actually, we'll have to forget about me again because Pat's going to handle our shout out. <laughs> we always forget. No, we love you, Zach. Or that's what we tell you, at least. So, as always, we'll have to shout out our place that we know and love is near and dear. It is Cape Fear Games. And uh, particularly, we'd like to shout out this evening um, Curated Night at Cape Fear Games on Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Is that right, Zach? That is correct. And for 40 bucks a month, um, you can have curated play sessions. And this upcoming month, they're about to begin a Star Wars Empire's Edge system. Edge of the Empire. Edge of the Empire. I almost got it. But that being said, uh, it's a lovely place with lovely people. And uh, tell, them, tell them Ask the GM's podcast says hi. Um, other word, otherwise, we'll get on to our subject of the evening. Thank you, Pat. Tonight's topic is exploring new systems, why it's important to explore new systems, why it's just important to broaden our horizons. RC, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it off with you. Throw me under the bus here. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about the wide plethora of systems that we've all had available to us. Um, I'll be honest, out of the group that we have here, I've probably not played the most, but I have played quite a few, and we've we've kind of touched on uh, just the, we've touched we've touched on quite a few systems. We haven't gone into the more esoteric, um, like diceless systems or other weird systems that, quite frankly, I don't think any of us are all that particularly interested in. But the ones that we have played have really rounded out our game group as far as uh, the characters we like to play, the general understanding of how we interact with weird systems, and so on. Um, and why do you feel it's important that you should play other systems? Because you should round them out. Um, it also gives you a really good big break. Um, unfortunately, I'll admit that I have kind of burnt myself out on the GM role, I think. And like, I haven't really done it in a long time and even recently taken up the mantle, just doing something kind of simpler, like, um, 
the game that I've been running for Pat, Brian, and Sean, the uh, the not Fallout Fallout game. Ah, um, Atomic Punk 2160. There you go. Like, it's been a really neat system to play around with. I've enjoyed it. Um, I've run several sessions for both my little siblings, and by little, I mean they're close to like half my age at this point. Um, and they've had a blast with it, and I've really enjoyed running it for them. Um, I really enjoyed running it for you guys. Um, but it, it's good to have other systems for you to turn to if you're like, man, I'd really like to be able to test this out, or maybe I need to um, try out a new setting, or if I'm trying to get somebody interested in it, find something they're interested in and try to find a setting that's close to it and work with that. It's it's a really important thing for a GM to understand as far as what your play group is and what they enjoy. Okay. Thank you, RC. And Lindsay, why do you think it's important to play other systems? It's important <clears throat> because, excuse me, because um, I know that before I started playing with you guys, I mostly, I was just playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. I was playing 5e. Um, and it really, I think it really, playing and then we moved to i played call of cthulhu with you guys and it's a very very different animal and it's something that it it really i think it helped me not only just to learn a new system but also um just as a role player and it it opened my eyes to a whole new world of things because really because all i knew was that small little little box of D&D 5e and then the moment I stepped into a different it was like a whole different world because it is a very different kind of play style um where where your goals are very different um and uh I just I'm so glad that it because I did that and understanding how eye-opening and how fun that has been I it's just it's something everyone should do I mean get out of your comfort zone and and it's a challenge and it's it the challenge can can lead to lots of really great things it can be a little scary i know but um but it but it's way worth it to try new things always thank you i'm going to modify the question for brian brian when you joined us you kind of got thrown into a couple different systems both D and call of cthulhu how do you feel you adapted from that uh, I think I adapted pretty well. Um, I I adapted easier going from D and D to Call of Cthulhu than I did going from Call of Cthulhu back to D and D. Um, I mean, I tried to roll with it, but yeah, it's I I enjoy like experiencing different things anyway. So learning that because I didn't know you know how anything was done before and. I'm still learning, uh, you know, the different systems. I'm not just rolling a D20, you know, because that's, I feel like that's what I did a lot in D&D. And then in Call of Cthulhu, sure, we're rolling D100s, but I think that's, I mean, that's five times better, right? It's bigger. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And Pat, I'm going to modify the question for you as well. In addition to why is it important to play 
different systems, why is it important to be a well-rounded gamer? Well, there's not a depth to this question. The first part I would say is why it's important to try other systems is that some systems are better for different settings. And to me, more than trying different systems, trying more settings is just so much fun as I'm uh, learning these days with more RPGs. Because, you know, if you play a lot of high fantasy in D&D for a long time, and then it's like, okay, Zach's putting us on the Orient Express, and we're, you know, a, being French... Uh, French colonial like soldiers and whatnot like that, or we're playing in the 1920s with mobsters and whatnot. It's just so refreshing to play different settings. And as far as playing different systems, different systems, you know, you can find bits and pieces of them that are fantastic that when you go to run a game, you can steal from them. Like, you know, hey, I like uh, the advantage system in D&D, so I'm going to take it over to this system over here. Or uh, I like the uh, simplicity of... Um, what were we just talking about earlier, was it? What was the Fallout, not Fallout game we're playing, Sean? Atomic, 20, Atomic Punk 2160. Yeah, Atomic Punk. Uh, the The real appealing thing there is just the simplicity and how much you can build upon it. Um, so yeah, I, I just say sample around, see what you like and, you know, take what you want from what you will. And, uh, it makes you way more well-rounded because you can see what's better for you out of each system. Like, okay, well, I, I apparently like the RP a little bit more. So maybe, you know, something that's less combat-y would be better for me to play, you know? Thank you, Pat. Sean, same question. Why should you play other systems, and why is it important to become well-rounded as a gamer? Well, I mean, important to play other systems. One is to find things that you like, that you may not have experienced before. You know, different systems, different settings, and will illuminate you to those differences. Like, people have talked about the differences between Call of Cthulhu and D&D and such. It can also, in a its own roundabout way, trying different systems can reconfirm how much you already like a certain system, too. You may be like, okay, that system wasn't bad, but that's not what I want to do, kind of thing as well. So it can be kind of a reverse situation, too, as far as enlightening to what you, okay, I really do like that type of stuff, rather. But as far as well-rounded, being a well-rounded gamer, the more game systems you know, like as Pat said, that you can beg, borrow, and steal from all these systems to modify your own system for your setting. Because every setting, I don't care whether it's completely detailed you know, down to the last square inch, and becomes the individual GM setting when they start running it. And so, but you can bring in your experiences from other game systems, like Pat said, and be like, okay, I want to add this feature, or I'm going to take this feature away because I've seen in other games work fine without this, you know, kind of thing. And so, so, I mean, it gives you, especially as a GM and as a player, more ability to adapt and, you know, enjoy yourself 
Thank you, and I, I happen to agree with that. My favorite thing of trying new systems is just kind of not walking in completely blind, but somewhat blind, and it's almost like a kid at Christmas. You just get to open doors and just see new things. When I was reading and preparing to start Call of Cthulhu for the first time, as someone who was long, longly entrenched in D&D for decades, all the changes just like opened my eyes. It was like Aladdin. A whole new world. <laughs> but it going does. back to, to, a, to a previous statement, how does everyone feel about stealing stuff from other RPGs? Go for it. If it's not nailed down, it's you know, it's mine kind of thing. And if I can pry it loose, it wasn't nailed down. I think it's a fantastic point of view. No one can tell us no or where to go or say that we're dreaming. I think it's a, a great idea. Now, you my always, question... You can always count on Brian to stick with the bit. <laughs> <laughs> my question is... um. Like, Zach, how many things have you stolen for other systems to run in a different system that you can think of? All the time. Whether that be D&D's Advantage I've borrowed in different systems, whether that be Call of Cthulhu's Luck system, Delta Green's Lethality rules. There are plenty of systems I just steal. Uh, if I could, I would shove the Delta Green Bond system into a lot of things, too. I was about to say that. I was like, oh, if you could just take that Bond system and put it in fucking just anything, yes. It just, it adds so much to it for me. I love it. And, like, part of in addition to, like, finding stuff to steal is, like, you can find a new love. Like, I played D&D for decades, and I was like, that was the system. That was my system. I played Pathfinder a little bit. And then I played Call of Cthulhu, and I was like, "It's like, okay, sorry, babe, but you were kind of abusive to me, and I didn't realize it. See you later. I'm I'm dropping you off at the curb." For <laughs> mama friend. Yeah, I would say, um, as far as finding a new love, for me right now, that's the Savage World system because I'm just I'm loving how things have been simplified in a whole lot of ways and streamlined. Versus, you know, it's not nearly as number crunchy as plenty of other systems. So, you know, you can keep your pace with things and combat's pretty darn fast too. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm taking that crack pipe and just hitting it. Cause uh, now I'm just like, oh, what, co- what sort of subsystems? Like before we started casting. Apparently there's a kaiju subsystem where we can all be giant monsters and fight each other. And um, the people that make Savage Worlds, the Pinnacle Entertainment Group, they have like 20 different subsystems from zombie apocalypse to sci-fi to a Flash Gordon world or uh, pretty much any, any anything you can really think of that is using their core rules and just flushing it out. In fact, in Savage World, there's even a, I think it was a fan-made setting, but there's one for just classic kind of like D&D dungeon exploring, and it just converts all of that into the Savage system. So you can even say, I'm going to use Savage system and go, you know, just have a dungeoneering campaign kind of thing. Well, they even have a... Paizo's Pathfinder version of Savage World system. So if you're really into the Pathfinder setting and uh, 
creatures and whatnot, like you can play that with the Savage Worlds rule set. I don't know how the company has, you know, finagled that, but it is a thing. And you are see about finding a new love. It's always out there, man. You'll find the game that works best for you. Just the more you try, the more you'll figure it out. And Lindsay? Yeah, I um I really um really and I mean I, I love D D. I really love Call of Cthulhu, but lately, I mean, I really do, I really do love Delta Green a lot. Um, and so I'm really, uh, I think about it all the time now. Um, so that's my new love currently. Um, and I just, it's things like the bond system and, and it just really, like we've all been saying, you'll find a system that clicks with you as far as your play style and i feel like i just feel like delta green and i click we vibe and we good i i'm very excited to keep playing it and sometimes i I would like to say that it's these new mechanics that we come across that we wouldn't have otherwise known about um in these systems that you know really set that love in place like i know when Zach introduced me to Call of Cthulhu. I hadn't played a D hundred system before that. And then we played it and it's like, holy shit, this makes so much more sense. Like, you know, I roll a D twenty and plus five, like what's my chance to hit versus like you have a seventy five percent chance to hit, roll it. Okay. Like, I love it. Or whenever we uh, went over to Warhammer Fantasy and the character creation system was just next level and it's like oh my god and then now i'm on to a new thing and there's different mechanics that i'm loving out of that yeah that's what i was gonna be my next lead in is it's really important to play other systems and like make new characters in new systems because it gives you confidence as a game master or as a role player because if you play D and D like five times and you made five characters, you can make a character in your sleep. It's all about deciding, like, oh, what subclass or what kind of background do I want? But when you get into other systems, you f- you might find out that your stats only matter ten percent of the time. It might be a skill. It might be something else. It might be you th- the fact that you have the ability to read. And I think like playing a lot of systems, experience a lot of systems, seeing mechanics thrown away, thrown around in a lot of different ways really helps you gain confidence as a player cause, and a game master because you can see like where rules can bend and be broken. It also allows you, if you want to design your own setting, to be able to say, hey, you know, I really love, like Lindsay was saying, the Bond system and, you know, Delta Green, but I really like the dice system in, you know, in Call of Cthulhu and, you know, I really, you know, you can then start creating and borrowing from that versus trying to, with some systems, just try to basically beat the thing down, the setting down until it fits in the game system. Where once you have an experience of a lot of different game systems, then you can sort of take bits and pieces and Frankenstein your own kind of homebrew game system from all these different games to match your setting so your setting doesn't have to give anything to fit into the 
game system, rather the game system is built to form around the game, the setting. It can also let you like approach problems in a different way, like if you've played a different system. How will we resolve this in this system? Well, this other system resolved it in about two seconds using this. Okay, well, let's use that. I do think it's important, to, in addition to like learning what you love, is like learning how to build your world or play in your world. One of the things I've slowly learned to love about Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green is we play on Earth. Like, I don't have to tell you what a 14th century auction house looks like. I can tell you you're going to the bank. It looks like the bank. Yeah, and that's um, that's one thing I'm liking about Deadlands that I'm playing. It's you know, 1880s uh, American Midwest alternate you know history, and it's like oh, I know places in America. I know what generally those places are supposed to be like, and you know adds a little bit of twist. So I already know the world that it is, versus you know you tell me oh tell me some landmarks or some big things in Greyhawk. Uh, I don't know, or Faerun, um, who knows? But, and just like Zach said, with Call of Cthulhu, that's the Earth. Um, so experiencing new settings is another great part of different systems as well. Yeah, and I mean, there is something definitely to be said for the, you know, whether it's an alternate Earth or anything of that, you know, kind of even like a multiverse situation like you get sometimes in Marvel or DC Comics even, you know, in, in their games and stuff like that. But also at the same time, a system like Call of Cthulhu, which is basically built on the foundation of the BRP system, you can take that system and turn it right around and be like, okay, here we are, you know, this is Barthoom. This is John Carter's Princess of Mars, Barsoom. You know, these are the Green Martians, the Red Martians, and such like that. And you can run with the campaign using the same basic skill and ability system and, and such, but you just are in a completely different world. And that is the beauty of exploring new systems is you find these systems out there that maybe are not as rigid and unforgiving to a setting being used being used with a setting you know some systems are just built like this is how we do it there's no other way to really do it but you know but other systems when you get out there and experience them you you can be like oh wow look at this thing like you said about savage world or brp slash call of cthulhu they're flexible they'll move with you in the setting and such like that and the rules follow a certain line of logic of like, okay, this isn't covered by the rules, but hey, look at this. And, you know, this situation popped up. I know how to rule on this situation as a game master. And a lot of that also comes from the experience of other systems too, outside of you. On something Zach said, which it was like, you said something about playing other systems allows you, uh, sometimes you learn how to think differently when you play and and all systems i remember switching over to call of cthulhu when you're playing D, sometimes you find yourselves in a situation where you need to run but in D, it's not normally it's not normally the norm it's not the norm to run from a fight it's it's oh we can stay and we can fight sometimes you get to the point where it's like okay we gotta go but normally your first instinct is to we're gonna fight in call of cthulhu coming from playing D and going into call of cthulhu 
you're immediately faced with the fact that you have eight HP and the thing that is chasing you or the thing that is in front of you, you have no chance. The best option is to get the hell out if you can. And so you do start to think differently and, and adjusting to that really, I think, broadens how you handle certain situations when you switch back over to different to different systems. Yeah, even Delta Green has a little, a little article in the section on combat where it mentions once the guns come out, the, like the stress levels skyrocket. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, going along with that, it's too, you know, different systems teach you different ways to think and approach. And so some systems like Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, very, you know, are not, combat is the last thing you want to be caught in and stuff like that. Other systems, it's like, combat isn't even really a thing you know it's like you can do certain things but you can't really kind of fight in some of them because of how strange they are and such like that especially what the basis of it like for instance a game that i've got that i've never gotten a chance to play is rabbits and rangers where all you play is cartoon animals kind of Redwall, but more like saturday morning cartoon kind of characters and they have in their rules about the fact that you don't die. You get knocked unconscious, you do this, and stuff like that. Dude, that sounds like that could be a blast. Sounds like fun. It's only a 32-page rulebook. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it's based on the OSE system, and is what they kind of use, and it's just how to modify it for like a cartoon setting. But they also give you the rules to play it serious, like Red Wolf, so kind of thing. Or like, you know, um, Water Tip Down, or the, you know, the Rats of Nim kind of thing. I get, I don't, you know, is I have dibs on uh, Foghorn Leghorn. I say, I say, boy, I say, I say. <laughs> <laughs> I do think another important point is talking about like thinking in different ways. A Patton RC. I'm going to call you out when we played Warhammer Fantasy. You were one of the two characters that could read. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was interesting in the fact that, like, I don't know, it got you more into the setting of the world because it's like, oh, this guy's just a highway robbery dude. And it's like, he could, he could put any signature on this paper and he wouldn't know what the hell it meant. You know, so you could navigate the world in different ways than other characters could and uh yeah it was just it, it got you more in depth into the setting and into the world i'd say also different games measure different abilities like i was looking at the old indiana jones role-playing game never got into play it owned it for almost 40 years never got to play it I was reading over the rules, and in there, one of the abilities is backbone. And that's how it's sort of like a sanity function in Call of Cthulhu kind of thing. But at the same time, it's not. And it's going to determine things like how you handle, you know, it's basically a fear kind of thing, and also how well you recover from things. And like if you are injured in that game because you don't have hit points. You just stack up wounds. You have light wounds, medium, serious wounds. So combat can get real deadly really fast. But 
when you're healing, you have to successfully, you know, make a backbone check to be able to move down to the next lower state. But at the same time, you're going to use that backbone check to see whether you can handle watching Nazis melt over, you know, uh, the Ten Commandments kind of thing. RC, how do you feel about experiencing new systems as a mental break from your core system or stepping out of your comfort zone? Uh, that's sort of been the go-to for a while now. So, I mean, ultimately, it's felt like the only thing that's rejuvenated any sort of motivation I've had for running just role-playing games in general. Um, if you're going... If you're if you're really like tired of running a system, I think that you should let your players know that you're like, hey guys, I need a break from this. Do you mind if we run something that I've been wanting to run just for shits and giggles? Even if it's just for a one shot, just to get you away from having to do the same thing you've been doing over and over again. Um I think it's something that I could have done with a long time ago. And I recommend that if anybody's feeling the burnout, go ahead and bring it up because you really should be looking for another way to take care of like your needs as a game master and what your creative needs are before you just give up the ghost on it. Same goes for players too. If you're tired of running, tired of playing the same game, do the same thing. Ask your GM to see if they'll run something else. Pat, same question. For me, I don't know, lately, I just don't want to pick up a D20 and roll it for shit. It's like, give me <laughs> give me something else. Um, recently, I've kind of found out that I'm, I'm liking a dice ladder kind of system. Um, it, for me, it cuts down on the math. And um, also, I'm just, I'm wanting e- easier of play, less heavy system, like, that you know that system we were playing earlier that I keep forgetting the name of Fallout, not Fallout system. Um, basically, we had I think we had a blast the other day, and we were just having a jolly old time. And it was a very simple system. Um, Sean called it a beer and pretzel system. And these days, it's just like I want lighthearted fun with less crunch to it. Because, say, Zach brought up uh, Death Watch to me, and I think we've talked about it at length on the podcast before, about just how crunchy that is. And that's fine if if that if you want to go, like, in deep on a system, and if that's what you want, you know, okay. But for me right now, I'm just, I'm wanting ease of play just so we can get along, have a good time, and be about our business. And Brian, same same question. I I enjoy change personally. I I generally embrace change. So um, I'd say about ninety percent of the time, if we change what we're doing, we're going to a new system. I'm cool with it. The only time that I was like kind of sad that we were changing was uh, when we stopped playing Two Headed Serpent because I was enjoying that very much. Um, that was like the only time where I was kind of sad that we were go. I don't remember what we were moving to. Maybe regular Call of Cthulhu, um, but other than that, I I enjoy kind of the mix up. Um, 
I did enjoy being able to finish Impossible Landscapes through Delta Green. That's the only, like, you know, that's a long-term campaign that I've been able to finish, which was pretty cool, too. So it, there's merits and flaws for both. And just listen to your heart, man. And Sean, same question. Getting out of your comfort zone or taking a mental break? I think getting out of the comfort zone is the first thing. Because it, and like RC said also, if you're a game master, sometimes you need to get on the player side and sit on that side of the screen. And I think also for sometimes for players, it's vital to not only experience a new system, but experience a new system from a different direction in the sense of moving to a GM's position or something because you really like the system or the setting and stuff like that. But I think change is really good, whether it, re- it you know enlightens you to new things or just strengthens, hey, you know, that's cool, but I really love, like, you know, Call of Cthulhu, you know, Delta Green, so I think I'm going to go back to that, but I like this, this game, you know. It can give you that, you know, you don't miss what you had until you don't have it in kind of situation. Not that you can't go back, but it's just that, wow, this isn't that game, you know. Not a bad game. Kind of like it that. broke my heart uh, yesterday. I was flipping through my Delta Green books, and the last couple of pages, it does have the OGL in it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Lindsay, same question. Taking a mental break or getting out of your comfort zone? I will have to say I'm going to talk about getting out of my comfort zone because, like I said, I was playing Dungeons & Dragons um, for for years, 5e for years, and I was comfortable there. I love Dungeons & Dragons, and I was comfortable there. And then I met Zach at work, and Zach always talked about... Uh, we talked about D&D, but he, he brought up Call of Cthulhu to me and I'm someone who is very uh, terrified of change. <laughs> and so I was very nervous and thought, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. I don't know if I'm going to understand how to play. I don't think I'm, I, I'm so used to this other system. And, and I was happy there. And then, but I took a risk um, and trusted Zach, which was the right choice always. Um uh, I, this this is recorded. I, I want you to know. I that. know. This, I know. I was hoping uh, we have it recorded now. He's going to save this and listen to it on repeat. He's going he's gonna to just, just gonna put it. It's going to be his that. fucking ringtone. Always trust Zach. Always trust Zach. He's just going to have it on the table now, and he's just going to play it. <laughs> he's going to add that to the soundboard for sure. <laughs> Ask hey, Lin- the GMs. Hey, hey, always Lindsay. trust Zach. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lindsay, it's time to make your wish in D&D. Oh, look, always trust Zach. <laughs> always trust Zach. Look at that. Fuck me. Anyway. Um, but um, I didn't realize until I tried something new. I, I, w- I was, I, I do love D&D and I was, there was a love there. But I think that by challenging myself and doing something new, I realized it just opened my eyes to so much more and opened my heart even more to the possibilities of other games that I could play. And, and it just, and now I'm so excited not to just sit in my little box anymore. I'm so excited to hear about new games because I, and now I feel I'm just excited. I'm not just, I'm not scared anymore. And I think that sometimes people get intimidated 
And that's perfectly understandable. Learning a whole new system is intimidating. Learning something new is intimidating. Um, but once you do it, it really does. Once you do it just once, it really, it really opens up a whole new world to where you're like, a whole new world. Um, but it's, 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 I think it's vital. It was vital for me. I think now when, you, when I hear of new systems, I can't wait to start instead of feeling like, oh, I would love to do that, but I'm too anxious to. <laughs> now I feel a lot more comfortable doing it. Um, so it's really, it is like in most things in life, it is, it is a good idea to step out of your comfort zone because you never know what's beyond, you know, that threshold. I don't know why, but I envision Zach walking through a cubicle office and just almost like a cultist, like, hey, have you heard of our new Lord and Savior? Can Cthulhu? I speak? <laughs> I mean, that's that's exactly how it happened. Went down? <laughs> yeah, it is. You just slip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you tried safe for work tentacles? Not the not safe for work. <laughs> just the safe. Only. Sometimes I was like, there was so much tentacle talk at work. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't None know. of these tentacles will show up in any drug test you take for any employer. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he's walking around offering fruit punch, just don't take it, man. Just don't take it. Especially <laughs> if he's got on the half tone sunglasses and a, you know, kind of a beige lame suit. <laughs> just remember to call me the leader from now on. <laughs> we'll just call you Jim. Remember, trust them. Always. It's always a good idea to trust Zach. I will get you to the land of victory. You you will get to see it. You're just not allowed in. That's right. <laughs> he burns your crop. You get to, the... to stand you outside know. the restaurant and watch you, Zach eat. You can <laughs> you can look through the frosted windows. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, 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 that that is incorrect. As soon as I see you in those frosted windows, the blinds are coming down. <laughs> I'm just imagining Lindsay out in the snow and just, please, I can have some soup. In a shawl, just like. <laughs> okay, we're going to start with Brian. And we're just going to mention systems that we have new experience with, like systems we experienced for the first time. And then each person can either like follow along with that system or enter one of their own. And then once we feel like we've done enough of those, we'll switch to systems we're excited about experiencing in the future. That sounds good to everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've talked about most of the systems that I've like started or played once. So one that I have played, I've only played a session of it, but I enjoyed it, um, was the Dishonored RPG. Um, that had a pretty cool mechanic in it called styles. So you could, you know, if you needed to like open a lock, you would have these styles. And you could do it like cleverly. So you like, it's kind of like an augment kind of thing. Um, if I remember correctly, it was fun. Uh, and I would definitely do that again. Other than that, I mean, those are kind of the, that's the big one. Um, I, I have enjoyed Atomic Punk um, the last two weeks we've played it. I think we've been probably the loudest people in there, like laughing, uh, which has been pretty awesome. Laughter is always a good sign. How about a new system that you've experienced, Pat, from any time? 
Okay. Um, it's going to be hard to narrow it down. I know I talked about. All right, let me just give you a Spark ver- Spark Notes version of uh, Deadlands and the Savage World systems. Um, some things that I really love about it is that you know it's a dice ladder from D4 to D12. Um, for most of it, everything you're looking for is for four or better, unless it's a damage roll. So, you know, it's like, oh, you know, what set value do they have to succeed in this? It's always four, okay? Um, All your dice explode. So even if you are just shitting something, you have a chance to just be amazing. And I've seen it happen. Um, Other other things of it, um, the luck in the system is is they call bennies and basically they're poker chips that you hand out to players. You get three at the start of each session. If you do good RP, you know, the, the game master can pass them out for, you know, you know, it's just little reward things. And it's just basically a reroll for stuff. Um, initiatives, poker cards and deadlands is a weird West setting. So like poker, poker chips and playing cards, like, as the mechanics in your system, super on fluff point. Um, and then I would like to talk about character creation hindrances, basically negative traits that you take on for your character gives you like extra points to build your character and character creation. So, you know, you find that like, okay, who doesn't want more points? So now you have all these characters with all these flaws, which bring them more to life. Um, other systems I've enjoyed lately is uh, Mutant Crawl Classics or Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, it kind of introduced to me the concept of having more than one character. Like at the very beginning, you're generating like four characters going through a grinder, as they say. And you might come out with two at the end or whatever, but just the concept of running two or three multiple characters at a time was kind of new and different to me that's also a dice ladder system so it's got that going for it uh uh, warhammer fantasy i love the character creation more than anything like i just i like rolling on everything and you know you could be anything from a rat catcher to a noble or you know it's kind of fun to not know what you're going to get into until you get into it and and uh sean Oh, let's see. <laughs> um, a new system that I've only gotten to play like once or twice is um, the Barbarians of Lemuria system, which is also used for um, Dicey Tales, Barbarians of the Aftermath, um, the Dogs of War, and um, Almeric, uh, Legends of Steel, and think there's one other but it's a super super simple but you can elaborate on the system and one of the things that really drew it into me was the letting go of a skill system in the sense of i mean i've played games in the past and you know i mean i started with D when there was no skill system period you had weapon proficiencies and that was it but in this you choose your profession and and then when you try to do something that you think you your character would have a skill at doing, you explain which of your four professions that you choose at the beginning, and you get to spread four points among them how you see fit from zero to 
the three is that why that you explain to the GM why that skill would apply to that from that profession. And if the GM agrees with you, he's like, yeah. So you, you just add in however many points you put into that to the die roll. The whole system is based on a 2d6 roll a nine to succeed. And so the profession system in that, the free form magic system, I never played a system or ran a system that didn't have spells. This you just decide. This is what I want to do, and you, then you, you know, you're like, okay, well that's this level of magic. So, you know, then you go through and you have to figure out what you're going to do to penalize yourself to lower the cost. So you, and stuff. And it's very, like I said, there are all these different settings, such like that. Some of them even have elaborated on the combat rules where you have because it's a system set in a fantasy version of 17th century France. So you have all these fencing styles that are there. And you choose, you know, like, well, I'm going to go at him, and, you know, using a Florentine system of fighting with two swords, he's using a, a friend, sort of like the scene from Princess Bride where the two men are fencing, and they're talking about who, which school of fencing they're going to use. Well, you would assume that I would use uh, my Agrippa and such, which are all, act everything they mention is actual fencing school. <laughs> well, trained in the 17th and 16th century. And it's that type of system where you choose which school of process you're going to use in your fighting. So that's one of the systems that I'm really excited about. Also kind of rediscovering the system in the sense of I've always been a Call of Cthulhu player, but I haven't played the new seventh edition version until I met Zach and everybody. And so that was kind of like a sort of a rebirth of interest in that, that system because the last rule book I had bought previously was the second edition rule book for the game. Thank you, Sean. Uh, RC, we're going to skip you for just a second. We're going to come back to RuneQuest kind of last. Lindsay, would you like to go? Sure, absolutely. Um, so this is um, something I've played recently that that was new. Um, I have to say, I mean, we've talked about most of the systems that were new to me um, that I love, um, Delta Green being one of them. Um, I've already sung its praises. Um, and I, I will say uh, the Dungeon Crawl Classics I got to play uh, for, was it Free RPG Day? It was free RPG day. And I really enjoyed that. Um, it is freeing uh, to have it. And so interesting to have multiple characters and to just have, you know, and to roll everything and to, um, it's just, it was really, really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Cause the idea of having multiple characters and rolling everything was, was a little bit, the multiple characters was obviously very new to me, but it was very fun. And I, I loved it. I loved it. Lindsay, or I was going to say, did you did your characters ever have conversations with each other? Because mine definitely. <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to do that. But that is one amazing part of it that I did. I was like, oh man, I just want all of them to sit at a table together <laughs> <laughs> and get a beer and just like talk to each other. And Lindsay, I know this is a future system, but how are you feeling on Pendragon? I am so excited about Pendragon, you guys. Okay, so ever since Lindsay was a little Lindsay, a little girl, she has been obsessed 
with a Thorian legend. And, um, and so, um, I, I grew up wanting to be a, I wanted to be a knight. And so to get a chance to play in that setting and being able to really, what's interesting about it is you were telling me, Zach, you can really choose what direction you want to go in because there's so many directions you can go in where Arthurian, I mean, in, in any way you can go say like TH white in that direction, you could go miss of Avalon, you could go in all kinds of different directions when you're, they have a big it. they have a big push that says like play your own pendragon. Yeah, yeah, and that's oh, I'm so I'm so excited about it. <laughs> and and the fact that you you know, you play what was it where you there's a one of the the campaigns it's like there's a choose your own adventure. Yeah, there's a choose your own adventure and then there's a one where you're playing through several generations, right? In one campaign. Yeah, that that's the Great Pendragon campaign. You start yeah. like basically before Uther's reign and play literally the whole era of the Arthurian of, legends. Of Arthurian, yeah, which is that is that's so cool. Before Uther, that's nuts. That's just no. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> I'm very very excited about it. Okay, we're gonna switch over to RC. You don't have to lead with RuneQuest, but I'm pretty sure we're all gonna gush about it a little bit. We, I, I think all of us were are very excited for RuneQuest, but I'll, I'll be honest. As far as systems go, it's very daunting considering how simple the actual system itself is. Well, um, s- sell it to Lindsay and sell it to our listeners. All right. So, RuneQuest is a pseudo Bronze Age. Um, epic myth is essentially what the RPG is. You're you're playing through the epic myths of this world. Um, you end up with a family history of defining traits for your character that you work with, um, along with a job that they've had for the last ten years, as well as a history of previous events that they've gone through. Um. There's such a wide variety of gods, it might as well be Mesopotamia. Um, Because if you go to a different city, they may have a different name for the same god. They may also have a god that nobody else worships, or a god that, you know, the greater part of an entire continent worships. And there's all myths about these these beings. I recently got not only the core book, the lore, the basic lore book, not the advanced lore book, and the three books just on gods. Like, that's how many gods we're talking about. Gee. That's so cool, though. It's a lot. <laughs> um, but one of the nice things is, is it does point out to you very early on. It's like, it's your rune quest. Do whatever you want with the rune quest. Because once they start, once your players start doing things, it becomes reality. Because whatever myth that they put into motion is is a myth that becomes part of your world. Don't worry about all the other stuff that's going on. It's there if you need it. But if you don't think that you do, go for it. Because you've got so many other options. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, there's like, like if you want to go visit the underworld, you can go there. That is I would not recommend a, it. Yeah, it's not a good idea. But just like Greek myth, if you want to go to the River Styx, you can do it. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I mean RuneQuest is it's a game about writing your own story in that world. And the the myth you have to look at is just the tapestry that hangs behind your story as they, you know, kind of like in, you know, some of the Disney movies where it shows a big map and then it zooms into a little area, you know, of where the story is taking place. So the myth acts as that. But, and it can be daunting to look at with it all, but it is also probably one of the best written backgrounds of a setting out there. And your thoughts, Pat? Um, my thoughts at RuneQuest is um, I like I like the Bronze Age setting. I I'm a big fan of uh, Greek mythology growing up, um, so that seems very appealing to me. Um, when first going into RuneQuest, I was anytime I start a new system, I don't want to be a magic user or sorcerer or anything like that. I want to be your basic average Joe, just so I can get my head wrapped around the system before I get real far into it. And I found out that in RuneQuest, the world is so steeped in like ritual and cultural magic and different cults and that the gods are very alive in this world. And, you know, the peoples of this world are like, yeah, the gods are alive and they are actively here doing things. Um, so I, I was like, okay, maybe I should take a step back and have, have a little bit of ritual or, uh, knowledge. Um, it is definitely a kind of, I've, I've tried to do a deep dive on lore. I'm trying to get different names, but whenever you go back into like, you know, YouTube or just the, the annals of the internet, um, it seems as additions have changed, the names of the gods have changed. Um, so it is a lot to chew on. I love the fact that it is a D hundred system. The skill area that we would be used to is pretty vast. Um, cause you have, what was it? Managing, managing people or whatever for your estates, like crazy skills like that. Um, yeah, good stuff. I love I love the artwork of all the runes. I don't necessarily know the depth of how they affect your character, but um, as RC says, it seems a lot and daunting up front. We haven't got to play it as much as we'd like to, so maybe like once we we dip our feet in there, we'll seem less daunting, and maybe we can get into the lore a little bit better. But uh, it's definitely an interesting system for sure, and. Um, I think, as we mentioned on the podcast before, it's RPG Basic, and it's from Chaosium, and it's where our RPG Basic came from. So, you know, this is our roots for our D100 systems, at least, which would be good to figure out more about. And Brian? Um, as far as RuneQuest, I'm very excited for it. Um, I What I've really enjoyed through my skimming slash reading has been like the way you you have uh loves and hates and passions and loyalties um to like people or religions or your tribe uh or to like elder races and you use those 
you can use those to like augment your role. So if you get attacked by, let's say, an elder race that you hate, you could use that if you needed to like combat. So I, I think that's a cool like mechanic with it. Um, it is pretty big. There's a lot of vast stuff in it, and I went the opposite way because I've never really played a magic user. So I went assistant shaman, um, and unfortunately gave more work to RC. Sorry, buddy. Um, but I'm trying to like learn it at the same time, so I can at least be of assistance. And Lindsay, your initial thoughts, questions, concerns? No, it sounds um, sounds daunting, but like everyone's saying, but it does sound really really fun and i know i know you were telling me zach that you would roll the character um the other day and you were telling me about what is it your your grand my granddad had his soul eaten by the chaos bat god yeah you too like, huh yeah you too like see that shit i love that i'm that i'm i'm all about that that sounds like a whole lot of fun to me and i and also the whole, get the like, oh go ahead zach I also get the daunting nature where it's like, yeah, the lore goes back to like 1965. You're like, mm. excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's one of the few lore systems about any game, you know, that's been made, in, you know, that is older than me, probably. <laughs> because even Greyhawk and Blackmore don't, are younger than I. But um, I would like to say, I think the key to getting into the lore of the system, as with like any fantasy world or world that is not ours that we know, is that you take a snapshot of a certain area, a small area of it, and you work out, you know, the to do things there, the gods there, the people and places there, and then you branch out from it. And I think that's uh, RC's intent whenever we start getting into it, which, you know, might wetten our thirst for more of the lore, you know? Well, it's also a cooperative game when it comes to the lore, too. It The game kind of really assumes that you as a player are going to immerse yourself in your character's cult and culture and such like that. So the game master doesn't have to rely on telling you every time, no, your cult, your your culture wouldn't let you do this, or your cult wouldn't let you do this. You would be saying more to the GM of like, I can do this because my cult says it's okay, and but I can't do that, you know, kind of thing. And you know, it really it becomes a unified, you know, thing of everybody has to be working together to get the lore to really work and be as magical as it can be. Yeah, the guy I r- rolled up, uh, he, he he took one of the war gods, and part of that, part of that, like, like being a worshiper of that, you're not allowed to get resurrected if you die, and then for one of my benefits, I got a free spell, but the negative I took for having it is I couldn't do ambushes in combat. I'm like, I don't think you realize how important that is in, in combat in general, and also in, like, a basic role-playing game system. No ambush was like, I'm gonna die. Which war yep. god did you choose? Stormbull? Uh, no, not Stormbull, the other one. The human one. Oh, Humak? Yeah, Humak, yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess, I guess, John, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head there, because 
I believe all of us that rolled up characters with different gods went out to research them. Because I could tell you all a lot about Ernalda now after I've researched about her. Ernalda, and also, but also how the god applies to your cult, too. Because you're yeah. a, what, a Paxian, um, Praxian, um, a high lama, high lama, yep. And you worship Ernalda, but I, my character comes from a country that worships Ernalda, Ethrolia, and but he is actually a worshiper of Orlanth, the wind god, and yeah. he's one of um, Ernalda's uh, concubine, many lovers. Thing. Yep. Yeah, er, Ernaldo has a lot of, lot of, lot of bows. Yep, but like in Praxian culture, it's much more barbaric. It's much and but like and they talk about like in Ethrolia, the Ethrolians believe that men shouldn't have anything to do with politics. It should all be run by women, and that's why they have an empress and such like that. Is, that they leave is, that business the to the women. Isn't the empress like uh, the high priestess of Ernaldo as well? I think so. Yeah. So just some stuff we learned in our dipping our toes in the rune quest. Yeah. Shout out to Taco Fall. He's, he's, he's a great <laughs> guy. The, the, the art on him is amazing. The judge of the dead where it's just a big mirror face and he, you stare into him and he judges you based on like what you see. Grandfather huh. mortal. Yep. He, is the, he was the first man to die. He's like the ancestor to all of the Praxians, so that's what's up. There's even a baboon version of Dakafal as well. Forget what his that name is, because baboons are sentient. And that's another well, thing also about RuneQuest is the different species that you don't get in normal, uh, you know, like D and D games and stuff. There are elves and dwarves, but there's also ducks. Baboon, Newt, but that are all sentient. Oh yeah, I heard about the ducks. They're basically like oh, Howard the Duck, and they're they live um, evil. Oh my god! They worship death. Yes. And aren't the they duck, on the edge of some swamp full of undead? Well, yep. That and also they um they I are the they are strongly tied to the death rune of Humak. Zach's character worship. They have an affinity for death runes and such like that. And the Lunar still speak of when they fought to wipe out all the ducks and they ended up losing like two or three regiments of soldiers in the swamp. To the duck Dude. The duck. I want to play an evil duck so bad. Well, they're not evil. No, they're duels. Yep. And they are just like any other species there. Yeah, but they are tied into the whole mythology. No, I specifically like want to play an evil duck. <laughs> well, there is no real good or evil <laughs> in Dark Queen Duck. <laughs> duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. Darkwing Duck. Hey, y'all, check out the Discord chat for this Duck Warrior. Ooh, that's actually looking pretty good. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I love him. He's adorable, but wild looking at the same time. Oh my time. god, the, is it the war paint? I lo- Okay, I love him. <laughs> I've come to sack your village for all the breadcrumbs. <laughs> I 
One of the worst bandits in the kingdom of Sartar was a duck. And still all the bread. Yes. Uh, he stole a lot more than bread. I know. <laughs> but he got that bread. Does anyone have any closing thoughts for this week's topic? I want to go play a duck. I want to play a duck real bad. <laughs> I want to play a duck too. We should run a duck campaign for RuneQuest. You know? Yes. I'm okay with that. Yes, I'll duck and maybe in the canoe. Maybe <laughs> duck. How about so just so there's a little bit of variety, it could be duck and newtlings, which are the same size, but they're newts that worked up Grandfather Bull, Bullfrog. Right. That's cool, too. I'm down with that, too. Like, could I... Or could I be, like, a toad? I would love to be... Love to live that battle toads fantasy. Whoa. You could be a trollkin. Which is, like, a mutant um, kind of uh, troll. They only get about three feet tall. They're used as food and slave labor. Oh boy! <laughs> and they play it. They play a game called Troll Ball. They tie one up into a ball safe and kick him about. Oh, what a lot but, in life! But Pat, is life like a hurricane here in Duckburg? <laughs> We've got lasers and airplanes. It's, it's a duckler. Rewrite history. It's a mystery. It's DuckTales. Wait, Zach, is this copyrighted? I mean, you technically switched one, one of those lyrics. It's technically yes, it might fine. solve a mystery, but, but we'll be okay. Yeah, it's fine. I think I saved us by being terrible <laughs> at memory. <laughs> Just enjoy the fact that that theme song will be stuck in your brain for another eight Forever. hours. Yeah, dude, Thanks. no, it, it lives there rent free. Oh, I just meant like an addition. Whatever time it was going to stay there, we just added to it. Oh, yeah. Darkwing Duck was in there, and then now now I have this. So, thanks. <laughs> well, I was wondering how many times we could throw a whole new world into this podcast. Before, <laughs> Mickey, before Mickey Mouse jumps through your window and stabs you in the face? Or- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Watsy has it for the amount of bashing we've done on them. So, or send the Pinkertons. Mickey just calls the Pinkertons. <laughs> <laughs> Pinkertons show up and beat you with rubber duck. Ooh, <laughs> bonus! Well, I want to thank our listeners for joining us, and catch us next week for Ask the GMs.